Let's go through every single package installed on a Linux install DVD, specifically Slackware 14.2. Um, of course, these are all open source packages that I'm talking about on this show, so they probably can still apply to you, even if you're not running Slackware and even if you're not running Linux. These are open source packages, so you can download the source code and run them on any computer, whether you're running Linux, Mac, Windows, BSD, doesn't matter. You can learn probably something from this episode. So let's get started. Today, we are going to talk about Slacktrack and Scons. Those are two separate applications, and not in that order. So starting out with Scons. Scons, I used to hate. I, I did. I, had a, I have a very negative connotation for Scons, S-C-O-N-S. And the reason I have that negative connotation is because back many, many years ago, when I was learning to compile software, I learnt from the introductory materials that I read, you know, somewhere, that the the way you build software is dot slash configure, make, make install, pseudo make install. And and that was that. And I and I assumed that that was the one way to build software, and anything that deviated from that generally seemed to cause me a lot of trouble. Not only because there was never, there, there never seemed to be any really obvious dead giveaways that you weren't supposed to do a dot slash configure make pseudo make install. And so, you know, and, and you have to put yourself back in the head of someone who's just learning this stuff. You, you open up, you, you untar a, a tarball of source code. It all looks completely meaningless to you. There's, you know, after you've done it about 25 times, you might start to pick up on the pattern maybe you might start to pick on on a pattern of, well, there are oftentimes these standard files. There are oftentimes these kinds of directories. But even then, I mean, that would only be something that you'd pick up if you'd accidentally compiled only auto tools projects 25 times in a row. And, And the likelihood of that happening actually isn't, isn't great. So quite likely you're, you're compiling early on and to you, every time, practically, you open up a source code directory, it's different. It's something new. It's something completely foreign to you. And none of it means anything. So th- you blindly type in dot slash configure, not understanding what that's calling. And and if there's anything that, that fails at that stage, then it's confusing. And you have to backtrack and figure out what's going on. What do you need to do? Oh, okay, maybe I need to run this auto auto reconf thing or auto, uh, you know, whatever. So lots of different steps that are very confusing. And when it gets thrown out entirely and asks you to do a CMake command instead or a scons command instead, then it's even worse. So I adapted pretty quickly to CMake because... There are certain projects that do just use CMake a lot. For instance, pretty much everything in the KDE application suite. I mean, I wouldn't swear to that, but it, I feel like a lot of the KDE applications default to CMake. You do get used to that pretty quickly. But scons, it just seems like it would pop up at, at all the, the most inconvenient of times, and it would cause me to just have to sort of stop what I was doing and... and figure out what the commands that I needed to do with scons were. And half the time, I think it would require scons or something like that. That sounds weird, but that might be true. So it was troublesome, and I really had a, a negative connotation with with that one. 
to the point that when I saw that it was going to be one of the next topics, I, I really felt a little bit um, intimidated and 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 not very excited about talking about it. Of course, I've been doing this preamble full of dread and spite solely to contrast what I quickly realized about Scons once I started reading its documentation, and that is that it's a very, very cool system. It is really beautifully simple. It is easily, it's easy to understand and comprehend. It's easy to script yourself. It's easy to adopt. It's a really nice little system. So, surprise, surprise, Scons isn't horrible. It's actually really, really cool, really easy to use, and possibly one of the easier systems to get started with, I think. I mean, talking about auto tools and CMake, I feel like Scons, I don't know, I, I feel kind of like it's pretty simple. So the things that, the thing about scons that you have to understand is that it's 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 make file a, a, as such. It doesn't have a make file. It doesn't use a make file, which again is another reason I got so so confused by it. What it actually uses is a scons file or an s construct file, I think is what it's actually called. That's what that stands for. And scons is written in Python, which is sort of not that important but also significant. So if you're familiar enough with Python to to sort of look at some basic Python code and, and understand what's going on, then the scons file is pretty you, you'll you'll catch on to it pretty darn quickly. Like it uses really rudimentary Python concepts. And so you can look at it and kind of get get a feel for what it's doing really, really quickly. If you don't know anything about it, then it won't really matter. You'll just have to remember you just you know, memorize syntax the same way that you memorize syntax for an auto tools uh, configuration or a CMake text file or, or whatever. So it's it's not or CMake lists.txt whatever that one file is. Um, so you know you either just blindly remember syntax or you comprehend the syntax and and then follow the syntax. Either way, it's not super complex. And I think the most basic thing to remember about it is that it has what is what it calls builder methods and a a builder in scons is the the command that you're telling scons to to run so a builder method would be something like program to build a program um object to build an object file install to install a file to a location on uh, on the file system that sort of thing. So it's pretty straightforward, a little bit C-Makian in a way, I, I feel, and um, Pythonic in the sense that you provide the the builder method that you want to use, program, object, install, I'm sure there are others, uh, and then parentheses, and then the arguments that that builder method requires. And so you can kind of picture that builder method in your head if you're familiar with Python. You can, you can kind of see it. You can think to yourself, oh, I know what's going on there. Someone has done a def program, parentheses, parentheses, colon, return, indent, or not, well, no, in those parentheses, there would be something like target, comma, source, that sort of thing. So, and then colon, and then the next line, and then whatever happens in the builder section, it's probably calling uh, the C compiler and, and, you know, whatever it needs to do within that method, but you can kind of picture that in your head. So, I'm going to switch over to my very useful Slackware virtual test box here, and I'm going to see if I can drum up a, a scons demo here. So I'm going to make a, f a, 
a directory called scones demo. Now let's call it demo scones. That way I've got all of the demos at the start of the names and I can list them out later if I need to. Okay, demo underscore scones there. I'm going to change directory into scones, demo scones, and create a hello.c application, or file rather, and do int main parentheses parentheses semicolon print f parentheses quote hello world close quote close parentheses semicolon close curly brace save that file and we'll just do a straight gcc dash o hello and then hello.c just to make sure everything of course that doesn't work because i did not include standard io.h so go back in there hash include greater than symbol or less than whatever that is angle brackets stdh nope stdio.h close angle bracket close angle bracket not parentheses uh, and then close that file and then let's just test that one more time gcc dash o hello hello.c that compiles correctly if i run hello it echoes hello world okay so it's it's there it exists it's not pretty but it exists and now we can write a an s construct file that's the that's the 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 make file alike is s construct so that's s c both capital and then all lowercase o n s t r u c t open that up it's really simple so the builder method i want to use i i happen to know is program and i know that because i want i know that i want to end up with an executable so program is the builder method i want to invoke so that's program with a capital p program parentheses just like python and then i want to point it to the 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 source file that i want it to build so that'll be quote hello.c close quote close parentheses save that file now if i run scons on in my terminal scons in this directory, uh, it says it's reading the sconscript files, done reading sconscript, and yes, it is saying conscript, not construct. So it's not talking about my construct file, it's talking about the, the files on the back end of, of scons. And then it even tells me the commands that are being run in the background, so that would be gcc-o, hello.o-c, hello.c, and then gcc-o hello, hello.o. So it's compiling the object file and then the command from the object file scons. Done building targets. And that's it. It's done. It's finished. And if I do an ls, it does appear that there's a binary in the uh, in the folder now, as well as an object file. So I can do dot slash hello, and it echoes hello world for me as expected. If I do scons-c for cleanup, it removes the object file and the binary file that it built and I'm back to my my nice clean directory consisting of hello.c and sconstruct. That's obviously a really really basic version of an sconstruct file. It, it is the equivalent of having a make file that has one rule in it with w one command. That's not that big of a deal, but in terms of getting started, it's a lot easier, you have to admit, than either CMake or AutoTools, because with AutoTools, sure, you've got a, you have to make a, sort of a, a make file that's really basic, you know, you're adding just one thing onto it, but to get there, you have to learn about the syntax of makefile.am, and configure.am, or ac, or whatever it is, and ac local, and all these other things. And even CMake, as easy as it is, 
There, there's, there's syntax there that you have to remember. This is probably the most basic syntax I've encountered yet for a make file, and and it does work, which which is nice. And it doesn't get that much more complex. I mean, it gets more complex. There's more you can do. So I'll add s or I'll I'll emacs s construct here, and I'll do program. Uh, let's do this. Let's do um, source equals. Well, okay. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do target equals quote my hello close quote comma I think comma and then source equals quote hello dot c close quote close parentheses. So in this version of my s construct file, I've got uh, I'm defining what I want it to name the binary that it builds rather than letting it just figure that out on its own. I'm telling it specifically, well, I want my, my binary to be called my hello rather than just hello. And if I run that with scons, it does essentially the same thing, except the commands you can see tell you it's, it's building the hello.o object. And then after that, it does the output of my, uh, of my hello from the hello object. So that's that's correct. I, so now I have a my hello, which I dot slash my hello, prints my hello world. Perfect. So there, there there's syntax here. Pro- program target equals my hello source equals hello C. You could drop the 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 equal stuff, the the parameters, the the parameter names, but then you have to you you have to respect the order in which the program method anticipates getting the information, which actually I I believe is target equals blah, source equals blah. So even though I intended for this to be a demonstration of how you can mix things up, I actually did it exactly as it did expect. But let's try it the other way. So program parentheses, source equals hello dot C comma, target equals quote uh, my, how about um, a hello, close quote, close parentheses, just to make sure everything's truly different here. Uh, then I'll do scons, and sure enough, it produces a hello, dot slash hello, hello world, perfect. So, because it's Python, and if you know enough about Python to understand how methods receive parameters, then you're able to, to sort of manipulate that yourself and adapt your the, the script and how you treat it uh, according to the, the way that's really convenient for you. So program is just one builder method, and that's the one that you're going to be using most often, I guess, to build your executables. But if you're doing real programming with fancy things like other object files and linking and things like that, then there are other other builder methods that you might use. One of those is object, and you treat that in a similar way. It's just object and then parentheses and then your, your parameters. There's um, there's also uh, the ability to compile from more than one source file because that I mean that is a thing that happens. Sometimes you you want to build an executable that is uh, the sort of the results of several source files, and you can do that. You can do that with uh, program parentheses, and then again, if you know Python, this makes a lot of sense. If you don't, then you just you take it on faith, and it works either way. But it's a square bracket quote, file one dot c, close quote, comma, quote, file two dot c, close quote, comma, quote, file three dot c, close quote, and let's say that's all, uh, close square bracket, close parentheses. So you are, in the parentheses, you are providing it a Python list, which is 
um, just a, a list of val it's an array of values in square brackets. And so it understands that even though there are three things that there, it's it's actually one source. It's it's source equals square bracket blah blah and blah close square bracket comma target equals wh whatever you want your executable to be called. There's also a library builder method, so if you're just building a, a library, you're not actually producing an executable, then you can do library. Uh, there's a Java one, which is very cool. Uh, there's a whole chapter in the documentation about building Java files, uh, dot, dot jars, rather. And, and that's really nice, because Java, I mean, it's, it's not that hard to build a, a, a jar file for Java, but it's just nice that there's scons that can unify the building process. So, and I'm pretty sure that's probably what I, I've, I've read that somewhere before, probably, and it's never made sense to me, and now it's starting to somewhat make sense. Because, I mean, can you imagine opening up a source file, uh, source code, uh, uh, tarball, and, and, and they're all just scons across the board. Whether it's a Java application that you're building, or a C, or a C++, it's just all scons. That does seem kind of nice. I mean, I think that ship has sailed. I don't think that's where scones ended up. I don't think we're in a we're living in a scones world, and that's fine. I mean, you know, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's not like that great, but it is really nice, and it it, it makes building things kind of sublimely simple, which I love. I mean, that's that's such a great thing because you know nobody nobody I think I don't think anybody in this business or in this hobby, or whatever it is to you, I don't think anybody wants the hard part to be getting the software up and running on your computer. I mean, not really. I mean, there is a certain joy of packaging things, and and that appeals to some people. It appeals some days to me, uh, which are the days that I actually update my Slack builds and, and send them over to slackbuilds.org, that sort of thing. But ideally when you're sitting down to do something it's it isn't you know you're what you're anticipating doing is is not oh let's see if i can spend eight hours trying to get this thing to build and run on my computer generally what you want is to just get the thing installed and then use the thing that's what you're doing when you sit down at your computer and if scones makes that really easy and 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 that's the experience, then that's huge. That's a big deal. Okay, a little bit more about scons here real quick. So there's um, there's an environment method. That's not a build method. That's just a thing that they have in scons for you to use. And the typical way to use that is env equals, I mean, that's an arbitrary env. You could call it anything. It's a variable. You could call it penguin equals whatever, but it makes more sense and it's more intuitive if you do ENV, like environment. ENV equals environment, with a capital E, parentheses, parentheses. And all that does is it imports your environment variables from your system. So it's like an import OS function that then probes your operating system's environment variables and passes that on to scones. Now, there are some stuff that scones has by default, obviously, because scones, I didn't have to do that to get scones to know that GCC was the, uh, the resolution for the question of how do I compile something with a environment variable of CC? So that's, that's obviously something that you sort of get for free, but if there's specific stuff that you need where you want to append something to the environment variable, 
you can do that with the environment method. And, and again, you do that with essentially env equals environment parentheses parentheses, and now you've got your environment in a variable called env. Okay, well that's great. Now what do you do with it? Well, somewhat, I think, counterintuitively, you can, well, okay, intuitively, you can do things like uh, append and prepend stuff to your path. So there's, you could do like env dot append on path and then uh, parentheses and then something else, you know, some, some knowledge that you have, for instance, oh, I want to make sure that I include the slash opt in as a, as a valid lib path or something, or slash opt slash lib probably as a, as a valid lib path, that sort of thing. So you could do that, or you could do uh, env dot merge flags to merge building build build flags into your commands, and and so on. So ultimately, you're gonna still you're gonna continue to use env though as kind of your builder method, which I mean not really, but it's gonna look like it to you. So env dot program parentheses quote hello dot c close quote close parentheses is how you would then. Uh, initiate an, an executable build. So that, that to me is, it doesn't feel 100%, that, that feels a little bit weird. Um, I mean, I understand what's going on. I just feel like in the syntax of sconstruct, I feel like that's a bit of a surprise. It's like, oh, okay, so program no longer, my, my builder method is no longer the thing that I'm calling. I'm, I'm calling the builder method on my environment, which, you know, sort of like, I don't know, I, I almost want that to be the default behavior. Like, in order to kick off a program or a builder method at all, you must have first had done env equals environment parentheses parentheses. Then again, that's boilerplate stuff, and I'd probably be complaining about that, because the, the really nice thing here is that there's so little boilerplate that you absolutely need to, re uh, to remember. You just, in in a way, like all you need to remember is program parentheses parentheses. Well, and then your source f file in there. But I mean, that's that's all you really kind of have to remember. Well, I say that, except that, of course, eventually you're going to want to install stuff. And installing stuff, it's one of those things where this is the this is the the very purpose half the time, most eighty percent, ninety percent of the time well, from some people's perspectives, of building software is to install it. Like, that's the thing that people are doing. It's getting built, and then it needs to be installed. And there's there's just so much uh, mystery to a normal computer user about the install method. Like, nobody understands what install really does. All they know is that when they install, stuff happens on the computer that makes it so that they can run a program. And they don't really think about how it's being installed or, or what is involved in the install process. But the funny thing is that it's just, there's nothing to it. It's just copying files onto the computer in, into specific directories. And that's why it's convenient to automate that, because you don't want to have your users copy every single .o file and .so file and .c, or not, well, it wouldn't be a .c file, but, you know, all, all of the files, like all 32 files onto the, from, from their, from, from your distributed package onto their computer. It would just be miserable for anyone to have to do that, and error-prone as well. So, installing is not that impressive of a process, and yet it's just one of those things that you have to make sure that the permissions are correct, and that the the places are going to the correct locations based on the user's uh, requirement and so on. 
So the method, the build method to install files to the file system is simply called install, that's a capital I, install, parentheses, and then the target location, the, the destination directory, and then the file that is going to be copied to that location. So for instance, to copy my hello executable to user bin, it's env or, or not, um, dot install, capital I install, parentheses, quote, slash user, slash bin, close quote, comma, hello, close parentheses. And of course, you wouldn't have to hard code that value either. If your environment contains a specific value that you want to use for your install directory, then you could just call it from the env value that you brought in with env equals environment parentheses parentheses. So there's that. Um, there, there's a bunch of other stuff you can do other than install. I mean, you can copy files, you can move files, you can rename files, you know, all kinds of things. And and again, a little bit of familiarity with Python kind of opens up that whole world to you because if you know the OS module of Python or if, if you understand how Python structures its its command, it, it, the, the, its instructions, then it doesn't take a whole lot of research into scones to discover what specific method, build method, I guess, uh, th they assign um, certain actions. So it doesn't take a whole lot to figure out what, you know, what scones makes available for really any action you would want to do for, for typical installation, pro uh, installation process. So, that is Scons. It's unexpectedly really nice. I did not expect to like it, but I am definitely a fan. And I know I've said this about CMake and Auto Tools, but I, I really might start using Scons. I might. I might start using Scons for, for, for this or that. Because it's just, it's so low maintenance for that, that sort of, for that boilerplate stuff that you have to remember. And for the subtleties, you know, like, oh, I just want to copy this file to this to this directory, what's the special syntax for me to do that? Well, there's not a whole lot of special syntax. It's just, like, really basic Python commands. So I, I like that a lot about scones. So that, that's scones. We'll move on now to Slack Track. I've got this great cup of coffee here. Uh, I've been out of town lately, and I've been having sort of, I don't know, just whatever it was in the uh, Airbnb location. And you know the, how it, sometimes places have coffee in, in the room. And it was not great coffee. It was really not great coffee. And I kept I kept messing around with it, trying to, you know, maybe maybe I need more, maybe I need less, maybe I need to... Um, steep it longer. Maybe I need to make it in something different. You know, I just kept lots of different attempts, and it just kept coming out the same. Not very good. And so it's great to be back home with with just normal coffee, I guess. Just like really sort of middle of the road, normal everyday coffee. It's really much appreciated. And also the mugs there didn't retain heat very well. I don't know if I, I've been noticing that a lot more lately for some reason. 
that some mugs just don't seem to be designed, bizarrely, for hot beverages. You'd think they would be, but apparently they're not, because they just don't retain the heat. But my, I've got this great little uh, mug, a couple of mugs like this, actually, and they're just so good. They're, they're metal, um, so they're, I think they're, I mean, they're technically travel mugs, but they just hold in the heat really, really nicely, and I appreciate that. I mean, I used to have a great mug back in the States that was a ceramic mug, and it was super, super thick, and I just haven't been able to find anything like that here in New Zealand. I mean, I haven't looked that hard, but... Um, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, you know, if you've ever been to the Waffle House or to a Denny's, I think they still use the thick ones. Um, there, there are these ceramic thick, thick mugs that hold heat really, really nicely. And it seems to me like all the other ones that I've been able to find so far have been very thin wall, um, of, around the mug, and it just doesn't retain the heat. It's problematic. Something that we need to solve. But for now, we'll just take a look at Slack Track. Slack track, if you look in slash user doc slack, tr slack track dash 2.17, uh, there's a really good overview of Slack track. In fact, I'll do a less on that. And it says that, um, I think there's a preamble here. Yeah, he says, um, this is Stuart Winters, who, um, turns out he has a podcast. I just found out about this today by accident. Uh, I went to his website and he casually mentions a, a, a podcast about Slackware. I had no idea this existed. It just makes no sense. But yeah, it's called um, Slack Chat, and uh, it's it's on YouTube, which I guess the first season of it was on some other, like a, like a website. I, I, I could not find the RSS feed myself. I didn't take that long to locate it, um, but I, I couldn't find the link to the RSS feed. But then anyway, the next season, apparently they they exclusively published to YouTube. So if you want to hear about Slackware uh, and you're on YouTube frequently, then look up Slack Chat. And this, so Stuart Winters, uh, also known as Moses, M-O-Z-E-S, he's the, the, the guy behind the arm.slackware.com port. So if you're running Slackware on an ARM device, quite possibly you have Stuart w uh, Winters to thank. And I guess as part of his work on Slackware in the past, and I'm talking like version 8.0 or something, is 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 one of the the versions that he cites. So he's been at this for quite quite a while, which is really really cool. And you can find out about all this Slackware.com/tilde. Moses, M-O-Z-E-S. There's a couple of different projects that he's working on. There's the Slackware ARM port, that's over at arm.slackware.com. There's Slack Track and User Spin Add User, A-D-D-U-S-E-R. So if you've ever used um, Add User, then I guess you've used some of Stuart Winter's uh, software. I didn't realize that he wrote that. Slack Track is a tool to assist with building Slackware packages from, this is straight off the website, from the package.build scripts that can be found in the distribution source tree. Well, this was news to me, so I went to the distribution source tree and looked for some .build files, and I could not find them. Maybe I'm just looking in the wrong place? I don't know. So I'm going to go into this demo directory here, demo underscore slack track, and I shall write a hello.build file. And for this, actually, I'm going to use, rather than just a basic thing, I'm going to use uh, GNU Hello. So I've downloaded GNU Hello from gnu.org slash software slash hello. It's hello-2.10.tar.gz. 
So I'm going to write hello.build, and in this little script, I'm going to do shebang slash bin slash sh. I'm going to do tar xvf hello dash 2.10 dash dot tar dot gz. Of course, in real life, I would abstract that out so that I wouldn't have to come in and manually upgrade the version number in lots of different places. But because this is just demo, I'm just hard coding everything. So cd into hello dash 2.10, because that's what we've just extracted. And then I'll run dot slash configure, make, and then make install. Now that's very, very significant, this, because I've just told it to make install within my build script. And that is not normally done. Normally in your, in like a Slack build script, what you would do is you would do the dot slash configure, make, and make install into some destination. And the usual, the usual target that most projects understand is this variable called destdir, D-E-S-T-D-I-R, all capitals. Destdir, and then you can set that. Now that, that differs based on the build system that you're using. Destdir is, is relatively common for, for a lot of auto tools projects, but you, you, you might find it to be some other variable or, or maybe even a, a, a dash dash option of some sort, like a parameter. Um, it just kind of depends on the make on the, on the build system. But for a lot of them, including GNU hello, destdir would work. And I could do make install destdir equals slash tmp slash uh, hello dash 2.10 and have everything installed into this this temporary location and then make pack make pkg in that temporary location but what slack track is doing is it's it's enabling me to not worry about that and i'm just scripting the the basic steps that i would always script for building an application and that i guess that's the that's one of the key features of slack track is that you can use slack track even when software does not respect the destdir variable for whatever reason it's either built with a custom make system that has no concept of building to like a temporary place or maybe it has something's gone wrong and and even though it thinks it's respecting destdir some files are getting copied to places that they're not supposed to get copied who knows so that's my build script it's it's what five six lines something like that uh six including the the magic cookie i guess so there we go, that's my build script, and now I could run slack track dash p for package, and then I have to tell it the package name. So hello dash 2.10 underscore, no, dash x86 underscore 64 dash, I'll do uh, slt slack track, no, slk, how about that, slack track, and then I'm going to do t xz hopefully it can do xz I, I assume it can and then i'm going to give it the build file so hello.build so what i did there was i made up a package name under the typical slackware syntax which is for instance the program name and then a dash and then a version number and then a dash and then the architecture and slackware has a certain number of architectures that it that it knows about so it, you know in this case it's x86 underscore 64 um and then dash and I've done the dash to do uh, a, a tag of some sort. And actually, I've done that wrong. I've just realized. It should not be a tag yet. It should be the build number. So that's going to be uh, 1 here. And then underscore SLK for my tag. So that's just 
Slackware syntax. It's not actually that important. I could call it literally any anything. It's just to be compatible with Slackware in the most in the most uh, specific way. This is what I'm doing. I'm 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 giving it. I'm I'm using a convention is what I'm doing. And then I'm pointing it. I'm pointing Slacktrack to hello.build because that's what Slacktrack uses is .build files, which essentially can be just anything. It's just it it, it doesn't even have to be a shell script. It could be anything that's executable. Slacktrack will will look at something, and as long as it is executable, which actually reminds me, I probably need to chmod plus x hello dot build. There we go. Now it's executable. So as long as it's executable, Slacktrack will let that run. It doesn't care what it is, apparently. I have not tested that, but that's what the docs say. So I'm going to hit return now, and then I'm going to wait for a while. And the reason it takes a while for Slacktrack to... To, to build an application is because it has to scan your entire file system so that it knows what was there before it builds and installs your application so that it can then take the diff of what was there before and what's after and record what has just been installed. It's kind of kind of genius in a really obvious and scary way. Like, you'd think that would be the obvious way to do this, but I think, personally, as someone who who didn't, you know, this this is all just, I'm faking it, right? I mean, this is just making stuff up. I would be very afraid that people would look at that and scoff at it and just think, you can't, that's such, that's so inelegant, you can't do it that way. Well, Stuart Winters did it that way, and it's working great, so... I guess I can do it that way. And that, I mean, I love that spirit in open source. I really do. I think that's such a valuable thing. And I know that that sometimes gets us into trouble. We do things, we we brute force something that should have been done with, I don't know, some kind of elegant combination of associative arrays and enums and, and iterators and all these other things. But at the same time, it's also the reason things get done in open source is because people figure out a way to do something and then they do it. Even if it's not the most elegant way, it's the way that they figured out how to do it. And someone else can come up, come along later and, and fine tune that and, and, and make it a little bit, you know, finesse it a bit. But for now, it works. So anyway, I guess that's the, I guess that's the the way that Slacktrack has to do it, and that is what it does. Oh, and bother! Actually, the reason I think the reason that it it delayed quite as long as it delayed on my system just now is because I forgot to execute that with sudo permissions or or as root. So uh, it's probably technically safer to do it as root just to make sure that, that there's nothing that wouldn't be in your user path. But I'm I'm going to do it with sudo anyway. So Slack track pseudo slack track dash p hello dot yeah all the stuff dot txz and then uh hello dot slash hello build there we go that's going a lot quicker I- I'm not sure if it's going quicker because it already scanned the entire file system the first time I ran it or or whether that has nothing to do with anything um, it does take I I will say though it does it it does take a couple of moments more than you think it ought to. But that is, I believe, because it is scanning the system and finding that differential between what was there before, what was there after. Either way, at the end of the process, as long as you've done it with all the necessary permissions, you get some warnings and some successes. So one warning is that there was no slack-desk found in the in, in the source tree. And, and that's correct. I didn't create a, a description file for this. So it's going to use 
a filler, uh, like placeholder description file for me. Now, that if if you're not on Slackware or if you if you don't look into your packages that often, um, in slash var slash log slash packages, there's a list. That's what Slack Track is doing, is contributing to this list. Um, there's a list of all the packages installed on your system, and these are all just text files recording a, a brief description of what that package is, and then every single file included with that package. So in this case, I can look at, I can do a less on slash var slash log slash packages slash hello dash 210 blah blah blah, and I got a package name, I've got the compressed package size is 60k, I've got the uncompressed package size is 330k, package location is var temp 6870 dot random strings of numbers, or ra random numbers rather, uh, dot slack track dot fake root, all capitals, slash hello dot er, dash 2.10 blah, and then it tells me the package description, such as it is, which is uh, this package entry represents the file system as it was when Slack Track finished executing your build script. There has been no post-processing on the contents of the package. Primary purpose of this entry is to allow easy removal of package contents with Slackware Remove PKG. And then it proceeds to list all of the different files included in the GNU Hello application, including the command itself, which is in user local bin hello, because I didn't do any special configuration. It's got a bunch of stuff in a shared directory and a shared man directory. It didn't compress the man page, um, and so on. So there's a bunch of stuff that I could do to optimize this process in my .build script, such as, for instance, stripping the binary and compressing the man page and that sort of thing. But I'm not going to right now. But the, the, the point is that I was able to very quickly sort of write a really easy, super basic install script. And I'm talking about super basic. Like, if you can build it yourself just by downloading and, and building, then you can just you just take the commands that you ran there and put them into a file. That's your .build file now. And Slack Track is a thing that runs that build script, but goes to the added trouble of inserting a, a filler description file and making sure that all of those files are listed and so on. So it, it's kind of it's kind of cool because it 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 encourages you to I'm I'm you can probably tell that I'm just trying to come up with the use case for this for myself. But I and I think I'm getting there actually. So Slack Track is nice because it's encouraging you rather than just building a package because you need the thing installed, it's encouraging you to maintain a dot build file. You can put in some of you know the best best practices sort of thing where you're stripping the binary and you're compressing your man page, that sort of thing. You could put in a, your own description file. You know, you can kind of smooth it out, make it into a, a, a quick and dirty Slack build, essentially, and then run Slack track on it. Now, the reason this is a big deal is because the alternative to that is, is well, potentially doesn't actually exist, but, for instance, what you would do if you weren't going to use Slack track you would go into, let's say, hello-2.10.tar.gz. You would, well, obviously you'd extract it, so then you'd go into hello-2.10, and then you'd do a dot slash configure, and that would configure the package, and then you would do a make, and that would build the, the code. And then, again, ideally you'd be able to do a make install dester equals slash, for instance, tmp slash hello, 
Of course, you'd have to make that directory. It doesn't exist yet. And then you'd hit return, and it would install everything instead of to slash. It would install it to slash temp slash hello. And then you would go to slash temp slash hello, or whatever it's called, and you would issue a make pkg command, which is make pkg ly cn. I forget what those stand for. It's just the thing that I remember about make pkg. It's just part of the magical incantation. I'm sure it has a very important meaning. So anyway, um, dash ly cn, and then the name of the package that I wanted to be and location. So I'll, I'll save it back out to slash tmp again and. Uh, so slash tmp slash hello dash 2.10 dash and then the architecture 8x86 underscore 64 dash the build number that'll be let's say 2 and then underscore um, smi for slacker media dot info and then dot tbz let's do that hit return and make package make pkg takes everything in the current directory and packages it up into a Slackware package. And then when you install that Slackware PKG with um, as, as root with install PKG slash TMP slash hello dash 2.10 star TBZ, it gets installed and every file that does get installed gets tracked in slash var slash log slash packages. So the reason that you can't do that with some packages is because it that some packages some software will not respect any kind of sort of intermediary install location. And that's what Slack Track is able to intercept for you, which is huge. It's great. In addition, of course, it also encourages you to maintain .build files, which if you're, you know, if you can do a .slack build, then great. But sometimes you can't, and sometimes it's just frankly too much trouble. It's not always too much trouble. It's often not too much trouble. A .build file may be a little bit easier. It's a little bit less maybe structured, less to remember. You just kind of throw in the same commands that you've always that you're that you're using anyway to build the thing. Maybe a couple of copy and paste uh, snippets to help you strip the binary and compress the man page and whatever else you need to do. But and 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 that's the sort of thing that you can add to as well. You know, if if you're finding that yeah. I guess I really do install this one package on a lot of my systems, so maybe I'll actually make a nice Slack description file and, and that sort of thing. So really, really cool little command. I'm shocked that I've never used it before. Didn't know really that it existed until now. So I'm really glad to have found it. it it's going to be something that I use probably quite frequently now. So Slack track is a very, I mean, this is obviously hyper specific to Slackware, but Boy, is it great, and and boy, do I love the way that Slackware manages software installation. I honestly, there's just it doesn't get any better than this, and you can you can fight me on that. You can argue it it really doesn't get any better than this. This is the way to install software. It's just so nice. You don't have to worry about stupid package managers trying to guess whether or not something is actually essential or, you know, it's just, you you just install the software. That's all you do. It's a really great little system. Slack track is just one more layer on top of that that gives you added flexibility, but ensures consistent structure. Really, really nice. That's all I have for this episode. I was going to do listener feedback. I guess I'll do that next week instead. Thank you very much for listening. I'll talk to you next time. 
Thanks for listening. My name is Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not Klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted until next time thanks for listening and keep the source open some kind of a gag. This can't be for real.